Hello everyone and welcome to Music Rules, a podcast for eclectic music lovers who love a bit of a deep dive into uh, into some great music. I want to introduce you to your hosts. First off, we have Fen Idol. Hey. Fen is a Sydney-based composer, performer, musician, teacher, best known for his work in Fen is Cool and Okinasan, just to name a few. And like me, he's an absolute nerd. He's obsessed with music theory. That's true. Totally obsessed. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Fen, and my co-host is... I am Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I kind of took you by surprise with this uh, paragraph I wrote about you. No, that's fine. But uh... I'll do a paragraph about Jack off the, off the top of my head. Um, Jack is a, a musician and composer based in the city of Wollongong. His experiments in uh, microtonality have earned him the respect of many people <laughs> <laughs> at least 10 at of least them. 10 people he also <laughs> works as a music therapist um correct curing the world with music ah <laughs> uh, a, a beautiful beautiful paragraph and off the top of your head nonetheless <laughs> i love it um so the the kind of I mean, we're still figuring it out, but the, the basic structure of this pod will be, I'll come in with a, an album or you know, piece of music I've been listening to a lot lately, and um, we'll talk about it together, and then the next week, Fen will come in and bring his album, and um, it's sort of, uh, I, I guess the idea behind it is that we want to, we want to draw attention to you know, some amazing musicians and um, I don't know, kind of fill a bit of a niche. I don't really know of many other deep dive nerd podcasts i don't know yeah i think in particular we're doing like very kind of deep analytical um analysis of stuff that doesn't usually get that treatment hmm. um so i'm sure there are like journal articles about you know whatever prog rock band um but it doesn't happen very often yeah. uh, especially when compared to classical music which is constantly being analyzed and dissected in this way over and over and over again <laughs> yeah the same pieces <laughs> yeah yeah the same pieces the same kind of dead people i guess today we're going to be talking about a band that i have a kind of funny relationship with when i started playing a bit more with basil's kite and touring a bit i found this really strange phenomenon where a lot of Australian math rock musicians would know about Extra Life. And I couldn't really figure it out. And then I remembered uh, back in 2012 when Tumblr was quite a big thing. And I remembered there was this blog that did this post all about Extra Life. And it was this math rock blog called The Math Rock Blog. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like and, every um, math rock thing is just titled Math Rock X. Yeah. <laughs> like... We're a really creative bunch. Um, <laughs> yeah. So on this blog, they released the song Strong Brother, Weak Brother. Um, and when I heard it, it was this absolutely crushing, like really bass heavy, like not even really quite math rock, but um, just this really amazing piece of music that really enveloped me. And ever since then, I've been obsessed with this band. They're such a, such a unique band.
So let's talk a little bit about who's in it. They're a band from New York and they're comprised of Charlie Looker uh, on vocals and guitars, Kaylee Monahan Ward on violin and viola, Toby Driver on electric bass, and Gil. Ooh, can you pronounce that this word? I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> it's a French word. <laughs> Ch- Chevin? Uh, I know I know you're a bit better with I'll send it to your messenger. Yeah, send it to me. Oh yeah. Gil Chevinier. Ah, very good. Gil Chevinier. It was really showing my Bogan Australiana with Gil Chevin. <laughs> uh Gil Chevinier on drums and percussion. So uh, yeah, I have found across Australia there's a lot of people who have a very strange affinity with this. Otherwise, very, uh, I don't know, they're not, they're not a massive band, but they kind of got this cult status. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the new album, Secular Works Volume 2. Uh, they actually have seven albums before this, but this is their first album since 2012. That same fateful year when I was scrolling on Tumblr and found that blog post. Yeah, when the world um, ended, 2012. <laughs> So, um, this band is, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe them. I think the way they describe themselves is very interesting. They describe themselves as, if I go to this, um, band camp tags here as alternative experimental math rock, modern classical post-punk, wow. which is such a fantastic slew of words. to follow one another this album to me sounds like they're kind of like it kind of like a prog rock band went back to the renaissance um and i don't know i I can't i can't do it i can't can't explain it it's just it's so freaky and unique i can try to explain it i am not as familiar with this band as you are but i did listen to this album a lot in the past couple of weeks um, it has this very, yeah, almost this medieval feel to it. And it yeah. seems like the, that title, Secular Works, is almost like, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek in a way because the sound of the music is like uh, similar to music that you would have heard in a church, like almost Gregorian chant-like uh, yeah. in the way that it, it functions. Um, but then it's also yeah combined with these kind of heavy guitars um, and all this you know, strings and these changing time signatures. It's a bit hard to explain in terms of an actual genre, for sure. Um, But yeah, I think maybe explaining it just in terms of what is going on in the music might be easier in some ways. I think you're absolutely correct on that. Yeah. I think think when I think of Extra Life, I think of these massive extremes. So this album is full of these really long like through composed um, songs that just kind of go and go. It's got these really dramatic, like heavy toms and low, low tuned instruments. And then these extremely high vocals that kind of sit on top. And it's, it's just all about these extremes. And um, when I was doing my research, I was looking at the lyrics and I could not believe how few lyrics there are for these songs. Like the songs that run for like 12 minutes and it has like, no, four paragraphs. It's um that was one thing that I noted as well. And it reminds me of in opera they have you have recitatives and arias. And a recitative is 
has lots of text and it's almost spoken in sound and it um, it's used to tell the story. Whereas an aria is used to show off like the vocalist's range and it's very melismatic. Um, so a lot of these songs remind me of these like operatic arias um, sort mm. of from like the Baroque period. Yeah, it's like... It's 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 funny because I don't I don't have the same sort of classical background. Um, yeah. So I like I don't have like I can't really look at it through that same lens. Yeah. But I I did find that um, a lot of it kind of reminded me of like, like it's I mean it's like some like pagan ritual in some way. Right. <laughs> like these really like these like these like these repeated mantras um, kind of yeah. Yeah, these mantras. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, misshapen marble. It's repeated a lot of times. Diagonal power. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really amazing music to get lost in. And it's... Shall we... Sorry, you go. It's interesting because, um, as you said before, the songs are generally uh, through composed. And for people who don't know what that means, it just means a song where there's not many, if any, repeated sections. So it's just like a new section and then a new section and a new section. So in some ways, the use of like very few lyrics, it kind of ties all these sections together, um, mm. gives a sense of unity to the to the piece. Yeah, I do really like that. I like uh, I like the balance of this album. It's fantastic. Um, so I've picked out a few of my favorite tracks here um, that we can sort of do a bit of a deeper dive into. So do you mind if we start with the third track? Or, or, or did you want to start with that first I'm, track? I'm happy to start wherever. Okay, cool. One of my f- most favorite tracks on this album is the third track called The Play of Tooth and Claw. And it's a very gentle track on this album, which is full of these really, really thick compositions and um, heavy content. And it's a sort of this tune I, I wrote down. It's in E flat. It's kind of a Lydian bit of a Lydian edge to it and um, for people who don't know what that means Lydian is like a, a musical scale that it's um, major scale it's, with a raised fourth you you would have heard it in the Simpsons theme song the <laughs> Simpsons but in general yeah, Lydian has it's got this major key kind of dreamy sound to it I have a piano in front of me I can just play it so like I love it. I can't get enough of the Lydian. I think if you look at my discography, half the songs I've written in major keys are I've written in Lydian major. I, uh, yeah, it's. I love it. I think it's my favorite mode out of the seven church modes. Uh, it's mm. beautiful, beautiful. You can do some beautiful harmonies with it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, of ET. Um, have you seen E.T.? Yeah, not for a very long time. But yeah, the theme song from E.T. Yeah, yeah. When he like when they're on the bike and they uh, sorry spoiler spoiler warning when they're on the bike <laughs> and they um, they ascend they start to float up to the sky. It makes you think about E.T. flying. I love it. <laughs> So it's this, it's this beautiful like acoustic track. It's like much more subtle and subdued than the other ones. It reminded me like being like kind of the more ballady song on the album. 
It reminded me about, it's a funny story of um, when I was a kid um, and I went, I think I was about maybe 12 or 13 years old and I just heard of the band System of a Down and um, I went to the shops to go and, uh, to go and get their CD with my mum at Shell Harbour Sanity. <laughs> and, uh, Sanity is a, a music store in Australia that has, uh, like, I think closed down this year, actually. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, rip Sanity. Um, and I went, I went to Sanity. I bought this uh, System of a Down album and I uh, hopped in the car with my mum and we put it on. And then she said, um, she said, all right, here's the thing about metal music. There's 12 tracks on here. One of these tracks will be a beautiful ballad. And my mom's not like a huge metalhead or anything. She just randomly had this kind of knowledge. And then uh, she skipped through and she found Lonely Day by System of a Down, which is a, a you know, ballad, ballad kind of track. When I stumbled across this song, I thought of her because sure enough, I, th- I do think heavy bands make pretty good ballads. Yeah. This is a lovely song. So I guess if you strip away like the the heaviness and distortion of, of metal, like sometimes it's these really gorgeous harmonies, like these like major seventh chords and stuff. Yeah. And 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 it's so nice because by the time you hit these tracks, you really feel like you've earned it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a real sense of In a reprieve. lot of ways, yeah. It it definitely this track definitely feels like that. Because it comes mm-hmm. like after the the first track is especially like really naughty and really 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 complicated um yeah. this track is a lot more uh simple and straightforward in terms of its composition yeah yeah this 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 album starts out incredibly sparse which is a bit of a um a bit of an idiosyncrasy uh is that the word yeah Idio- what's it's, the, it yeah, means for, it's for this. an odd you know an odd thing i guess yeah yeah a bit of an idiosyncrasy for this band you know they um they have these sections and these these huge gaps of silence. I love that they're not afraid to take up that space and and do that. Yeah, do, do, uh, did you have many notes on this one? Um, I I didn't write down. I actually only wrote notes on the first track. But um, yeah, with this one, I I guess um, yeah, it's got that kind of like insistent uh, guitar strumming pattern, right? Yeah. Um, and then it has these kind of like ascending um ascending triads while the bass kind of stays um on the tonic um mm. which i found interesting maybe we should t- take a listen to it and we can talk a little bit yeah more let's about put it. it on there are still
a track. What a track. I love it so much. Yeah. I love it a, so much. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a, a few interesting things to talk about. So the first thing that, uh, like, struck me when I listened to that is when he goes, my melody. Mm. And oh, it's just so. such a, like, a... um like a renaissance kind of thing to do where like mm. we talk about this idea of word painting where you're illustrating what the word is so in this case melody with the notes that it chooses so if you if you wrote a bunch oh. of lyrics it's like i am walking up a set of stairs right oh, that's yeah. word painting and so when he sings the word melody he makes it so like melodious and like yeah. has so many notes Oh my god! I didn't even notice. That's, that's so cool. That melody, which is so great, and it's definitely yeah. like I, there's a hundred percent they are like influenced by that era of music, this kind of medieval music. Yeah, which is cool because it sounds yeah. super modern as well. Yeah, like like what a fantastic reinterpretation. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I um, I, I I couldn't help it. I sat down and figured out the last chords for that for this song. Yeah, because um. When I heard it, it's got this big, this big open acoustic guitar, and um, I figured it out. So it's in E flat major, and it sort of just stays on that. Um, kind of just this, like you were saying, this pedal point on the bass, um, and then at the very end, when it sort of picks up into that big swelling, um, what's the I, I can't forget, I can't unhear it. Yeah. So it comes up with this big, uh, like, big G minor. So it's kind of like almost treating it like a slash chord in a way, like with the, with the like a E flat with a G on the bottom. Yeah. Um, and then sort of moves back down to the E flat. Um, and then it does this thing where it, it sort of repeats and goes back to the C minor. So it's, I don't know if you hear the guitar through here. Can you hear it? Yeah. So like, I can't forget, I can't unsee ya. The afternoon, the afternoon, I saw the curtains while, oh, the choir's mouth, blood red open. And then, to sing, I can't go to that high. God, he's, he's got a good yeah, range. Yeah. <laughs> to sing, yeah. to play, to think And does the big, goes back to the F and just really, um, hammering home that Lydian, that raised fourth. One interesting thing that they do, so it's in Lydian basically like the whole time, but um, mm. I think just in the last chorus, they have this really big A flat chord. Um, mm -hmm. I forget exactly where it happens, but it's like, yeah. Yeah, right, right Just near the right end. before uh, it goes back into the, um, like before it goes back into E flat, it has an A flat chord, which is interesting because it's, like normally, okay, if you're an E flat, A flat is a subdominant. It's a very typical chord. But what makes it sound surprising and make it kind of reinterprets the melodies around it is that A flat doesn't like it's not part of an E Lydian scale. So like the rest of the oh, piece right. is playing with all these A naturals, mm. and then all of a sudden you have yeah. this, like it's um yeah. It doesn't feel totally removed, but it's it's interesting mm. the way that it interacts with the rest of the the song. Yeah, I, I I was wondering why that was so surprising because when I um when I figured out the chords, I was like, oh, there's nothing like too you know abnormal here. But then yeah, I forgot yeah. that 
we usually don't have that fourth. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah the flattened fourth in this case. Yeah. The the other thing yeah. that I liked uh, upon that listen was, um, the violins when they sort of are coming in towards the end. They start introducing these chromatic notes, so like everybody else is kind of in E flat and it's kind of, and the violins kind of go. That, that's that's very much um that's, that's i i know you're writing very well and that's something that that you like to do as well is is that is that like a flat six yeah da, 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 yeah yeah da. yeah it's just another example of like they so majority of the pieces in elidian and they're just kind of mm. coloring in like the edges with these little chromatic variations it makes it really 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 interesting without kind of you know completely removing themselves from mm. the the key yeah cool shall we talk about diagonal power let's talk about it okay so this is the one i'd probably did the deepest dive into and it look i'm just gonna say it i think it's like my favorite song of 2020s just this decade <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's... i was gonna say 2023 but then i wanted to make it more special so i just pivoted last minute yeah my favorite song of the decade i love it i love it so much I, um, I've had a read of the lyrics. I've had many listens to it. It's this freaking epic composition. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just this massive monolith with so many moving parts and so many, and they all reference each other. It's, it's freaky, you know, like I think this band put more effort into this song, like one single song on the album than most bands put into anything they ever release. Like it's just this, it's 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 so overwhelming i i get emotional thinking about it <laughs> it's crazy like i can't even imagine how they perform this song live yeah like how would you even go about learning this song um you know i would hope that they <laughs> that they just have lots of sheet music in front of them <laughs> yeah because um, memorizing a... this sort of thing like I mean, you do it in your band, Basil's Kite. You have, like, these really complex compositions and everyone's yeah. playing from memory. Yeah. It, is there a method, like, to memorizing really complicated music for live performance? I, th- I think it's just um, it's just brute force, I, I'm pretty sure. Unless, unless someone's got, like, some, like, Alex Jones brain nootropic stuff they can recommend to make it easier yeah <laughs> but, I, would, um, I would buy that in an instant oh wouldn't that be so good wouldn't that be so <laughs> good uh yeah i i think like i i had i had similar questions listening to this and the one that kept coming up for me was does this band play to a click track or did they record to a click track yeah um because there's so many like uh in, in this song we're about to listen to particularly there's so many um, like different subdivisions, like sounds like quintuplets and then triplets and then just moving between different time signatures and tempos. It's just this, yeah, it's this massive thing. And um, I just wonder, like, how do you even begin to to structure that in like a recording session? It's um... And it all sounds so natural as well. Like, it's not like it's mm. the hardest thing in the world to like join sections of different songs oh, together and make it sound um, coherent. And it yeah. just everything just flows into the next part of it, yeah. and I'm sure it's it's like a duck. You know, there's a lot of work happening under the water that we're not seeing in order for it to sound yeah. 
as kind of effortless as it does. It's funny yeah. to talk about this band sounding effortless, but it really does. Like it does. You're being presented yeah. these really complex compositions, but it sounds like it's just um, really, you know, it all makes sense. It's really, it's really easy to listen to and um, and to take it in and, and to enjoy it. I, I love that about these sorts of bands. They, um, when you listen, it's like you're in their world where this is a very normal thing to do and a normal song to write. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you're, you're just uh, lucky enough to sort of be a passerby. Yeah. Um, sure, let's shall it. we, yeah, let's listen. Okay. I'm enjoying this chat. This is a good chat, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Diagonal power indeed. indeed. <laughs> what a tune. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I have some theories about this song and I want to share them with you. So I think this song references the Bishop piece from the board game chess wow. from the hit Netflix show Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... um. The reason I say that is because, obviously, for fans of chess, uh, we all know the bishop moves sideways, moves diagonally. Um, and I did a little bit of a deep dive on a website called wikipedia.com. I typed in bishop and uh, started <laughs> to look at history of the bishop piece. And it told me that, uh, that the bishop is, uh, is a chess piece and a bishop is a religious person. And some of the lyrics in uh, in this um, in this song reference uh, what is it? Fleeing sideways into prayer. I don't quite understand maybe the fullness of the metaphor. <laughs> I think yeah. I just felt very clever because I, I thought think, of a bishop. I think that um, in terms of the lyrics on the album, I think this the title "Secular Works" is literal. Like it's all these songs are about secular things and then not about religion but i think they use kind of metaphor of religion to talk about other things so like there's a song about the dmv for example or the rta if you're uh, living in new south wales actually i think it's called the rms now <laughs> yes the roads and maritime services who could forget yeah yes yeah. so <laughs> so i think that like they use the uh the form of um religious music somewhat and then they use kind of these metaphors to to talk about stuff that isn't necessarily religious yeah. that's my interpretation of it at least um but yeah I, th- I think that sounds like a very good interpretation i um I, I missed the bit about the dmv i'm just looking at it now that's on track four we are not the same yeah, we'll have yeah. To talk I, I love i love the line nothing but a gargoyle on that bloated old cathedral very good but, a gargoyle. but let's talk about yeah. diagonal power and yes let, let's let's get diagonal yeah um okay so uh this this tune opens with um with these i think i, I think they're synth horns right sound, they sound sure. synthy to you actually it could be a could be a combination of both because then when the trumpet came in i was like that sounds like a real trumpet that is a real trumpet Right, okay. And and that is our friend Nate Woolley on trumpet on this album. Yeah. And Michael Atkinson on the horn. Um yes, but I I, I think I think in the intro those are MIDI horns. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting decision because the rest of this album has like you know a, a lot of um a lot of like actual horns yeah, on there. Yeah, right. But uh I I really I really really like that choice. Yeah. I don't I don't really know what sort of inspired it, but I think it's really cool. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds I mean it sounds good. It doesn't need to be more more uh doesn't need to be any more complex than that. Yeah, so I wrote here it's got this it's I think the song's in B minor. So the I can talk about the opening a little bit. So it it opens with these horns and I think the the most interesting thing about the opening is like the rhythmic phrasing um it's really irregular um i don't know exactly how but 
Um, there's definitely some like odd numbers in there. Um, and actually, to make a bigger point about the album, what I really like about the way they use rhythm in the album is that it seems like the melody is always informing the rhythm, especially on these more complicated tracks where it's like they wanted to have this melody, whatever it is, right? And then they just adjust the rhythm and the time signature around that. Um, and it results in these like really, you know, unusual rhythmic phrases. Mm. Um, and then that repeats a, a lot of times, but you don't get sick of it because um, of the, the rhythmic structure of those bars. Yeah, and, and, and they're quite long phrases, aren't they? Really long phrases, yeah. Yeah, it's like, because I, 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 um, I transcribed the chords for this and it's, yeah, it's a, like quite a massive, it's a massive, um, massive chord progression and it just kind of keeps changing and then it takes a long time for it to loop back again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this song sort of, I kind of look at it in like, in, when I look at it in parts, I think about the horn section and then I think about the bit where it goes into the, um, the first set of lyrics. Um, it has this crazy syncopation that begins at around 302. And that's sort of like the beginning of when it starts to hint at the chaos that will soon come. Um, kind of like, yeah, it changes. It messes with rhythmic subdivisions quite a bit, and um, yeah, yeah, it just really starts to tear apart at the seams, um, and then right as you're feeling completely overwhelmed and maybe a little bit cast into the abyss, in comes the horns again at three fifteen. <laughs> except this time with this powerful guitar and bass behind it. Um, except in this instant, the guitar is doing a whole lot more and the, the strings have entered into it as well. Um, I wrote a note of this as well. At 356, our friend Nate Woolley does this amazing big, uh, like, the, the, the horn run. Yeah. Incredible. So great. so uplifting and then we move back and there's like another chorus i guess you could say at five minutes um with a lot of the same chords except this time it's in b major it's sort of there's like that triplet section that goes like yeah yeah, yeah. and then the bass is like i might have got it backwards actually one might be moving up and one down but um and they sort of run into each other except this time yeah. it's it does this kind of like Phrygian thing. Yeah. Um, except with a raised third. One of the interesting ways about um, how they approach these chord changes is sometimes they'll just, they'll stick on a chord for a while, which is um, typical of modal music, right? It's like you stick on a chord for a while um, and you really explore like the notes of that scale, whatever it is. And then when they shift chords, it has this really seismic uh, feeling to it. And then even when they're shifting chords quicker, they're still kind of 
uh, it's weird. Like they have this really modal approach to each chord as its own key center. So if like they might have like a um, like I don't know, like an E major chord or whatever. Um, I, I, I've, I've got the chords here. Sorry to interrupt. If you yeah. want to look at them, I'll, I'll copy and paste. Sure. This is from the end. So they may have like whatever, like one, yeah, like an E minor chord, for example. And then maybe doing like a Dorian thing over top of the E minor. And then when they change to the C chord, C major, they'll, they'll do like a C Lydian thing on top mm. of that. I'm not explaining myself 100% properly, but like you really feel like, yeah, I don't know, there's something about the way they do these chord changes that feels seismic every time it happens. Yeah. Um, and then they also like introduce like these, when they introduce these chromatic chords or the chords that aren't um, common in the scale, so like E flat minor, um, if we're in E minor, right, E flat minor is a distant relative, they'll really like, I don't know, it, it just sounds... Mm. Sounds cool. <laughs> it, you know what? You, you're talking about the seismic quality of it. Yeah. I think I think it's like a massive part of that for me comes from the deeply detuned bass guitar and just oh, yeah. the really just this this massive and and this has been a consistent thing on all their releases is they've always had this massive bass tone. Um, it's great. I like, like that it, it's like the only thing that is kind of distorted in the recording. Yeah. Like everything else, like the guitar is really clean. Everything is mm. super clean and just the bass is like boom. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good like stylistic because by keeping the guitar clean, you kind of take it out of the realm of like metal, so to speak. And definitely it, it takes on this new energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they, uh, at, at about 554 after this sort of chorus, although it's funny to talk about choruses and whatnot for this type of music, but, yeah. uh, they end on this massive, um, E, e minor 13, um, chord. Nice. That's like, it's like beautifully like arranged in terms of like, you know, vocals and, um, and horns and uh the violin it's fantastic and then they introduce the horn theme again except this time it's just completely thrown to the wayside playing the same thing but the chords are just changing to these really like i you know i wanted to write them down but i didn't have enough time it's because it just there's so many so many different chords that are like so distantly related and it's done in such a strange way but yeah very satisfying i i love moments like this it's just such a such a great like show-off moment i guess so to yeah. speak it's a great like it's a great flex they one thing they do extremely well is like the the fact that this doesn't sound like seven different songs is because all of the stuff they're doing that is new is like a derivative of the original horn melody in some way right and even within the horn phrase you can break it down into smaller motifs and motif is like a short musical idea like shorter than a melody and so all of this is like 
developed from that phrase somehow right or from mm. <clears throat> the rhythm of that phrase then yep. becomes like the drum Absolutely. pattern in the next section so it all like it all is connected everything flows into one one another mm. which is what is so impressive about it as well it, it's it's like uh it, it's a thing that i try and do in, in my practice a bit is you sort of you look at your song and you break it up into little rhythmic cells and then from that point on after you've broken them up into these tiny parts you can begin to arrange them in in any sort of way to to progress the song through it's it's just a it's a really fun way of fun way of composing yeah um yeah and then yeah yeah, sorry you go can we talk about um so when he says diagonal power (laughs) yes that was exactly where i was going then yeah so yeah at, at, at about seven minutes diagonal power is introduced and there's this uh, amazing sort of moment where it's this big crescendo. I think it goes from B minor to C. Does this really big, uh, really big bass slide? Yeah. Um, and the diagonal power harmony is so, so unexpected, but so great. It does this. Uh, yeah. I think. I think we're in, so we play like a C, and the harmony's like, power, power. It's yeah, like a, it's, it's crazy. like a G and A together, so. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and then what I love about this phrase is like, when he repeats it, the rhythm is totally different. It's like, mm. diagonal mm. power. And then mm. the second time, it's diagonal power. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy uh, yeah <laughs> and it, it fits so well and i love the the use of like i don't know what sort of toplet it is but it's some sort of a regular toplet in the mm. in the the first time he says it it feels like time stops for a second mm. but it's still it's like perfectly in time but it just sounds so out it's mm. diagonal power because <laughs> before that everything is so rhythmic and propulsive and then all of a sudden it all stops diagonal <laughs> i'm gonna sound crazy um but it's so it's so cool and then like to have it and then so you're like okay so i understand what's happening mm. when he says the word diagonal power it like it has this you know this kind of floating quintuple feel and then mm. when he repeats it to go diagonal power <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's so unexpected. It's, it's constantly awesome. shifting under your feet. Exactly. But, you can never get a handle on it, but it, but it all feels logical. It does feel logical. My, uh, my favorite diagonal power repetition in this is the one at 725 when he does this really, really crazy vibrato and sort of does like a big um, gliss upwards, big glissando. You should talk about the singer because he is... His instrument is a, a gift from God. It's yeah. He's it's an incredible singer. Incredible and, and so smart. um uh, I I'm trying to think of a I feel like I might have said this so many times already, but so just kind of um so maximalist, you know, just like really plays with his voice in a fun way. It's just yeah. so so interesting to listen to. Yeah, like he actually treats it like a like an instrument and is like yeah. doing all these I don't know. melismatic like runs and stuff and yeah he's using his entire range in a really cool way um and like you said using vibrato and just really 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 going for it it's awesome 
I think I think as well something that I want to draw attention to as a person who also like kind of aspires to write similar music to this and you know uh, kind of like math rock or math metal whatever you want to call it um, I often find that the guitar and the riffage comes first and then the vocals come second but in this album it's so obvious to me that the vocals are just as center as any sort of riff or any sort of rhythmic yeah. idea. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know like if that's the way they wrote it necessarily, but listening, it feels so melody forward. Yeah. Um, in terms of like everything is based around the melody. The rhythm is based mm. around the melody. The riffs are based around mm. the melody and the melody yeah. just kind of floats above everything, like weaving through these really complex patterns Mm. seemingly you know with ease and it's it's crazy it's really yeah so at uh at 8 40 uh, sorry at eight minutes the the diagonal power crescendo is still powering diagonally getting louder and louder and then suddenly all these really freaky uh syncopated guitar and drum bits come in yeah um you know the ones i'm talking about yeah yeah they're like and then and then like (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'll cut that out that wasn't a good impersonation (laughs) i actually i i I didn't get time to transcribe those but they're they're these amazing like really yeah really finicky and and they just get kind of more complicated and more complicated um, and then, uh, at about nine fifteen, we go back to the same section that we heard at, uh, six minutes, except instead of a big E minor, it's a big G major, which to me tells me that, uh, the song is moving to the end. So yeah. to me, this is the beginning of the outro. Um, and by this point we've been, how long it's been about four minutes since we've heard that horn theme in the beginning. Yeah. And it comes back to the And is it an E flat? Excuse the attitude guitar. Such a such a fun progression. Um yeah. so they play that a few times and as this is kind of like a new progression it feels a bit foreign, um, and then suddenly the, the the those horns come in again. sound fantastic over those chords yeah it's a lovely outro um yeah they really kind of lean into the more classical side of um yeah at least instrumentally i mean the the music is consistent throughout but yeah yeah instrumentally like the horns and the strings and everything it's really lovely hmm i just realized they probably these probably aren't um synth horns This, this is probably our friend michael atkinson 
Yeah, it might just sound like synthons because they're really perfectly uh, in tune. <laughs> yes, I think that is probably what threw me, to be honest, is kind of sort of like if you hear a really great drummer and you're like, hmm, are these MIDI drums? Yeah. It's like, nope, they're just very in time. It's very and in time, very in tune. If you listen to the old like um, like Earth, Wind & Fire uh, recordings, because the, the horn section is so good, it almost sounds fake. Yeah. But they're just so uh, in sync. Isn't that funny? Sort of, you get to that level of expertise, and oh, I think I think that would be a nightmare for me. I'm so sorry, Michael. You sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then uh, the trumpet comes back in, and then it plays to the end. Uh, except this time, it has this violin underneath the, which kind of gives it a nice pulse or a bit of a backbeat. Yeah. Um, which can be a welcome thing after 12 minutes of really um really jarring and unstable yeah yeah, unstable music and Mm -hmm. that is diagonal power yeah um yeah so what's what's next let's make some let's make some let's make let's make some let's make some song song okay so we've come to a very special part of the pod where we show each other some music that we've written in the style of the band that we've been talking about. So uh, this week I, uh, I, I sat down and I was so inspired by Extra Life and I began to write some music and this is what came out. Uh, it's, it's a song that I think is very much kind of in my style and more inspired by Extra Life, if that makes sense. There's like a lot of a lot of elements that you could probably say uh, straight out of the Extra Life playbook. Um, maybe, maybe instead of going too deep into it, maybe we'll have a listen and then and then we can talk it about can be, it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yee. Alrighty, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, present the screen and play it.
Beautiful. Thank you, Finn. Um, I'll just talk about some things that I liked about it and some things that are, um, you know, relevant to Extra Life. I really liked how you kind of established this rhythmic phrase, this kind of like dun, 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 something like that. Um, and then it was like really consistent through the song, even when the sections sounded really different from one another or when the tonality changed, you had this consistency to cling on to of this like irregular rhythmic phrase um, mm. that's established at the beginning. Really nice vocal melodies as well. Like it's got that kind of modal like, Da, 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 da. like that kind of uh the even the melodic contour sort of reminds me of um of one of the extra life songs really really cool mm. yeah, yeah i i definitely um i definitely stole from my two favorite songs of theirs i think <laughs> yeah. i think i tried i took all of my favorite parts of uh diagonal power and put it into the play of tooth and claw i um yeah it, I, I think that was uh it was like kind of like a 15 four bar or something like it's like it's yeah. like three four sorry five threes yeah yeah um oh five three yeah sorry yeah and then yeah sort of just introducing ideas and um yeah i'm i think the thing i take most from this band is the sort of allowing yourself to dwell in a space yeah which um i don't often do so yeah totally that was kind of that that feeling of like stasis and exploring the melodic possibilities of that mm. one chord. I'm not sure what key it's in, but yeah, that was really, really nicely done. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I love the can... little like dissonant uh, guitar bits as well. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I think, um, I think it, it was, I, I put it against like a MIDI violin. Um, oh, nice. And I think the, the kind of dissonant part came from, I ran out of frets on my guitar. <laughs> so I, I couldn't quite play as high as a violin. I think I ended up a minor second flat or something yeah, yeah. at points. But yeah, now that we've finished Diagonal Power, it's probably good to conclude and share where you can find Extra Life. Um, the new album, Secular Works Volume 2, released July of last year, is available on Bandcamp. If you want to you know, send them some money there, it's buy a digital album, $10 or more. Come on, give him some more. They deserve it. This is a freaking awesome album. And yeah, I would highly recommend it. Um, I'm somebody who doesn't listen to a lot of, I mean, even though obviously they don't describe the music as heavy metal, um, it's kind of heavy metal adjacent or it feels like that to me. Mm, I'm someone, yeah. I don't really listen to much heavy metal music mm. um, or heavy music in particular. Um, but this was, it's so melodic and so uh, interesting. It was really a joy to listen to. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, you know, I, I play in a metal band myself, but I often, I find myself turning away from things that kind of, they're very, very one tone. I think that that's what I, that's what I get sick of. I really don't like one tone kind of metal bands. I like, uh, yeah. I, I love groups like this who really play with, with genre and, um, and it's got it's just got a really playful, nice element to it, which is to me the crux of what this sort of music should be. It should be fun, it should be playful, and yep, a hundred percent. So go and go and go and see Extra Life if you're in the states. Go and buy their album. We've been uh, we've been Music Rules. Yeah. 
Cool. Pizza girls. This is our first episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Do we want to plug? Do we want to plug anything? I got some stuff to plug. Sure. Why not? <laughs> um. So, it might have. It's probably going to be out by the time this episode comes out. But uh, Basil's Kite's new album, Shooting Sars, has just released on Dark Trail Records. So, go and get amongst it. And I hope you enjoy it. What about you, Fen? Have you got anything happening? Um. Not really. You can uh, check out my music on Bandcamp, fenniscool.bandcamp.com. But aside from that, you know, nothing really major. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.